I would just like to start off by saying there's nothing special about, I mean, there's a lot special about us, but there's nothing awesome about us as parents that would give us this opportunity to lead this class. Um, anybody can do this job with the right tools. And so um, you're going to hear some of the things we've done right, some things that we've found to be successful, but that doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that we know what to do and we don't always do it. So um, that's what I wanted to say. I would say um, you can do this. I want to encourage you in that. I, there are days where I homeschool and I'm looking for the, the, the school bus stop, like where do I take them because I can't do this another day. And in that same type of um, fashion, parenting is like that. I actually read something the other day that said, parenting is like looking both ways before you cross the street and then you get hit by a plane. So it's just, it, things come out of nowhere. You did, there's no class available for that. So um, anyways, there are some keys to successful parenting, and the biggest one is to be a servant, to have that servant heart to lay your life down as Christ laid it down for us, um, and be able to serve not just your children, but your whole entire family, your, um, your spouse. Key to serving faithfully is knowing who you are in Christ, and this is something I came along, and I'm not, I've done this book two different times, and it wasn't until I did it the second time that I think it just really penetrated my heart, and help me understand because as a parent I did struggle with I'm too tired to be a servant right now you know I've had a long day they're getting on my nerves or whatever I don't want to be loving that was not the response that they got from me and so I think when I read this for the second time it really penetrated me and so we've asked ourselves how could Christ be the servant that he was and the answer comes from John 13 um, where it's talking it says Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he began to wash his disciples' feet. Okay, this is in the upper room. This is the Last Supper. This is Jesus with his disciples, the people that he loved and that loved him. And what happened? There was no servant there to wash the feet. That was a lowly servant job. And what did Jesus do? In the corner somewhere, there's two of the disciples bickering about who's going to be the least, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They were misunderstanding all that. But God, Jesus saw this as an opportunity to, 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 to serve them. So he was the one to disrobe. He was the one to get the towel and the water. And he started going around washing the feet. And you have to ask, how could he do that? You know, what was in him that allowed him? You know, because he was Jesus. He was probably thinking, ah, y'all are bickering about some stupid stuff. Do we not hear ourselves frustrated with our children for thinking, seriously, you're doing this again? Well, I'm sure he felt those exact same emotions, but he saw it as an opportunity, a teaching moment. And so I think the key to that is he knew who his identity was. He knew who he was to God. And it says it in the verse. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power where he'd come from. I think we suffer at times from an identity crisis. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget that when God looks at us, Christ is who he sees. And He, we forget that... Our imperfections, they don't define us in his eyes. And so when we feel stretched, when we feel um, frustrated, when we have those ugly things that want to come out, I think it's because we're worrying about what someone else is seeing or thinking about us. And we're thinking of ourselves. And, um, and so that would be kind of my challenge to you guys is to take the time to read your word, study the scriptures, read the promises that are there. They're... It's full of them, how God sees you, because it's not until we see ourselves the way God sees us 
that we can be that person that is able to wash the feet and through our actions at home every day in the mundane life. And Beth Moore says it's so great. She says, why are we so reluctant to humble ourselves with foot washing attitudes of service? A key reason is because we suffer from an identity crisis. We will still define ourselves by others' perceptions and reactions. Christ could wash grimy feet because he knew who he was. He could get on his knees and serve a bunch of self-serving saps because his identity came from the Father. He knew he, he knew who he was to God. The more we know God through prayer and his word, the more aware of and comfortable with our true identity we will become. It won't matter if others highly esteem us, we'll gladly humble ourselves before them because we are highly esteemed by one much greater. And so that would just be my challenge to y'all. It's so much easier to do parenting when we have that priority, right? Mm -hmm. And that idea of who we are defined by God and not others. Absolutely. We always say in our house, audience of one, uh, we're trying to please him alone, and that puts everything else into perspective. So um, what we've done is we've got three sections here, and I don't know if we're going to be able to discuss everything that's here, um, probably much like your last one, but all the notes are here. So what we'll do is we're going to go through these relatively quickly so we have time to discuss. Um, and we've got three key sections here, intentional parenting, intentional urgency, and then intentional intimacy. So we're going to start right away with the intentional parenting part. And what I've really loved so far about what we've seen today is the very first section of this has been covered in the other groups. And as with all things that we've learned to do, it, our truth has got to come from God's Word. Um, I was raised in a household where my dad would often say to me, well, son, what I think is, and it, a lot of times it would be followed by some heresy, you know, like, where did you get that, dad? Like, really? Like, First Fabrications, Chapter 2, I don't know where that came from. Um, but, and sincerity, his heart was right, but his foundation was way off. And so it's taught Betsy and I, we, we better know the word, we better know the truth. And so um, 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So to be intentional as a parent, we have got to be people of repentance. We just absolutely must make sure there's no hidden sin in our lives, that there's nothing secret back there, because it does a couple of things. Number one, it gives that to your children. But number two, it stops God's ability to bless and guide and lead you and for you to hear the Holy Spirit when you are resisting the Holy Spirit. And if you have hidden sin, you are resisting the Holy Spirit. And so I would, we would definitely say that if we, we wish we had learned that sooner. So what we do with that is, I had to do it last night. I walked in on Jackson, my 14-year-old, my and he's standing with his arm on the bed looking at his little sister. And he said something to her, and it sounded real harsh. So I jumped all over him, and he sort of stepped back, and he said, Dad, you didn't, and I cut him off. And I was kind of harsh with him again. And he said, if you had listened, all I was saying was this, this, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I was totally wrong. And so he was frustrated, and I got his face, and I said, Son, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And what I would encourage you guys, if you have never gotten down on your knees in front of your little one and cradled their face and said, please forgive me. I was wrong. Start. Do it now. Do it often. Because you talk about healing the heart of your child, you ask their forgiveness and let them see that their whole lives. It will transform their home. Okay? So that is foundational to everything that we have to share with you guys here. Okay? So... 
couple of the bullets there. Don't allow unrepentant sin to remain in your life. Um, Betsy and I have had to come to each other and confess things to each other. Do it. Um, and then ask forgiveness again of your children. And explain that they're individuals in this. Okay, so <clears throat> one of the most critical things that we've learned is um, you've got your child and you've got their choices. So when you discipline them and you, you have to punish them for things, don't say, you're such a liar. Okay? Your child is not a liar. Your child is your precious treasure. Their choice was to lie. Child is here. The lie was here. Discipline this. Love this. Remind them, you are not your choices. They're two separate things. I love you and I'm always well pleased with you. I'm not happy with what you did. Okay? So don't speak those things over them. Be very careful with those words. Okay? Um, the next piece there is to be very quick to forgive. So someone read that, Ephesians 4.32 for us. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Okay. Uh, last part of that is probably the most important. Okay, and this is how we kind of illustrate this with, with our kids. When I respond to something that someone's done to me, so I'm going to use Caleb's, he, if Caleb punched me in the face, <laughs> okay, I can respond You'd to be out cold. <laughs> for like days, probably. Yeah, I wouldn't even know who I was when I woke up. No, but I have a choice. I can respond to Caleb for what he did to me. Or in that moment, I can respond to Jesus for what he did for me. And when we're offended, we're at that crossroads to where we have to understand the great depth or the chasm that is between us and our Savior so that then we can respond to our fellow man out of this, not out of this. And so where it says, just as God in Christ forgave you, we have to remember the great lengths that Jesus came to forgive us and to therefore forgive one another. And so that should be the tone we're setting in our home is a tone of forgiveness and mercy and grace because all of us sitting here have received that from the Savior. To keep that in perspective. Um, and then speak over them who they are, what you want them to be. So kind of what we said a minute ago, you are a man of integrity, honest and trustworthy. You are a blessing to every life you encounter. You are strong and courageous. Speak over your children what you want them to be, not how they're behaving at that moment or not for the mistake that they made. Call out what God has called them to be. Okay, and then pray for them. And I don't do it in the present. I'll do it in future attempts, too. You will be a man of integrity. Yeah. You know, and this choice you did was excellent. You will be a man of integrity, you know. It's and those things that you speak into their lives when they're little, and then you're continuing it now. And um, was, I'm writing letters to my son every day. He's in military um, basic training, but those are the things. And even as I was writing him this week, because I know he's in the stage where he's getting beaten down, and um, but just reminding him of all of those truths that we have spoken, but they're all truths that the Lord has said about who he is. So when he's feeling defeated, I mean, that's what our job is. We're their cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. We are their greatest fan, and we want them to far exceed where we have walked. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to speak that truth and life back into them at whatever age, it's just, I think it's crucial. But it doesn't stop. When they're eight or twelve or fourteen, mm -hmm. you know, you still need to hear it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Always just get in that habit of just speaking that, that life into them mm -hmm. and then pray it too. And if you ever say something that you shouldn't have, you're such a brat. You know, you're so mean. I, we encourage you to say, ask their forgiveness, and then I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I, I'm not going to speak that onto my child. I'm going to rebuke that and take that off of them. Invoke the power in the name of Jesus to take that. Because you're really speaking a curse over them when you say those things. In Jesus' name, remove that curse by rebuking it. Okay? It's, it's more important than you could ever know. Okay? All right, and then listen to your children. Uh, so important to treat their questions and concerns with respect. Um, be <laughs> humble. That's hard to do when their questions are ridiculous. Yes. Uh, just last <laughs> night, we were going over our notes, and every couple of minutes, here we come one. Oh, I got this ant bite. I'm so sorry about the ant bite. Let's yeah. get some I didn't get a drink when I know you just got a drink. and It's so hard to be patient, but we've got to remember that they're little people, and they they're communicating the only way I know how. Right. <laughs> I just walked out of your room 30 seconds ago. How did you have a bad dream already? <laughs> um, and then be humble. This is so attractive and it'll draw the hearts of your children. Remove sarcasm, remove cutting remarks, in humility, love them. Um, it draws it draws the heart of the child to you, and we should be Jesus to them. So that when they read his word as they get older and they see his attributes, they think of us because they've seen Jesus in us. And it endears your children to the hearts of the Savior. We are the example of Christ for our kids. We have to be very intentional about that. Um, and then fill every outing with purpose by setting expectations. So uh, one of the things that we've always done with a large family, anytime we walk into anywhere, people look at us like we are from outer space. It is so funny heads turn. You can see people counting. Those wow. are all yours. Do you know how that happens? <laughs> get all the questions. And so we tell uh, we tell our kids, look, we, we're about to walk into this restaurant. You know how we expect you to behave. Um, and so set them up for, for don't set them up for failure. <laughs> set them up for success by telling them in advance what you expect from them in a loving way and then lovingly correct them if things kind of start to get haywire. Um, and when you do that, you'll see them respond. Um, so just just remember that. Be purposeful as you're out. Be purposeful in all that you do, and speak that life into them, and they will uh, they'll respond really well to that. So. And I'm gonna add in there too, just um, how when you set them up for success that way, it um, they'll appreciate it. But the people that you're with mm -hmm. will appreciate it, and there are different expectations for the different places you go. So you might be going into a library or you might be going to a grandparents home or whatever and even different grandparents have different personalities mm -hmm. and so just reminding them before they go okay remember we're going into someone's house or we're going into this restaurant and there's some people here that really don't like loud noises so we really need to remember to use our inside voice so we really need to remember and you're just reminding them and then as they're doing it as you're going along with them just you can even whisper i love how you're doing this mm -hmm. i love how you're and then they they'll feed off of that and so just setting them up for success is just really really important and um, will make your days better where you're not feeling the stress of having to get onto them so much mm -hmm. just maybe a gentle reminder or just a little bit of a praise on how they're doing mm -hmm. a, long, a loving word goes a long long way in the heart of a child getting that approval from you 
Yeah, it might be even things that you don't always think about. Like with our side's family, we don't get invited over to dinner a lot, okay? Because... We're like locusts. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) There's like nothing left in the house. So we had a family invite us over last Sunday, and um, they have two children. So we did, you know, part of the car ride over was, hey, don't forget... You know, it was so nice that this lady wanted to do this. This is a huge taking on for our size family. And because it's like a two casserole dish type of thing, okay? And um, she had made, I don't remember what it was, chicken tacos or something. And I had to tell, especially my big boys, you know, we don't want them to, us to leave and it to have been a burden on them. I want the house back the way it was. I want the toys put back up. I want you to clean your own dishes, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And I want that food left over, you know, because... <laughs> It's Sunday, and they don't want to cook dinner, you know, so if they had something left over, that'd be great. And I remember she commented when we left, and she was like, I can't believe all the food that's left over. And I thought, my poor kid got one taco. <laughs> that's why we went to eat again after we left. <laughs> They're like, we're starving. We'll hit, we'll hit Chick-fil-A. Can we just hit roses on Sunday? We went oh, to roses. roses. Uh, so, but I think we'll get invited back. So... <laughs> So, but that's, it's more about that, and it's a lesson for our kids, you know, that not every family is used to cooking for this side. It's, I think it's really, what it is, is it's just honing their skill of awareness. Yeah. yeah. Be aware, you know, and so, yeah. Um, intentional urgency. Uh, John 4, 14, your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while, then it is gone. That is so true, and if y'all have kids, you know, it's like that. I mean, Facebook is so sweet to remind me of these reminders that make me end up in tears. I'm like, oh, no. You know, they were just little. And it's very sad. So creating special moments. Um, date nights with daughters. My daughter still talks about the date nights. And since our living situation has been a little crazy and all of that, we have not been able to, he's not been able to do the date nights. And you would, anytime we go to Chick-fil-A, this is where I have the date with daddy. Like it's the only time she's ever been alone with him, but they remember, you know? And um, I I don't get to run errands usually by myself. Um, they are few and far between. Um, but my sons, I always try to take one kid with me, you know, at least one. It started with my son making me a little shank. He he was afraid for me while I was gone. So he made this little plastic <laughs> shank. And, Okay, buddy. So, you know, he goes with me and he holds his arm out. He's a tiny little 10 year old. Holds his arm out, help me cross the street, you know, gets the door for me, runs around, opens my door for my room park. It is important for them and it's training for them. Even though it's a privilege for you to take them, it's amazing training for you. And the same with daddies and daughters, man. You're setting that bar high for some scumbag, you know, (laughs) so you want him to be a good guy, you know? So make her, make sure she compares everybody with, um, we were just joking about that this morning, about how one of our friends, we saw some people dating, and the boy she's dating kind of looks like her dad. And I said, boys, our girls are going to have to find three of you, or there's going to be some quarreling. And he was joking about them having to be bald. But anyway, um, fishing, throwing the baseball with your sons. Harder conversations are one that can be embarrassing for them, can be had over tea and cookies, or in a place that is special to them. Now, I don't typically have them over tea and cookies, but I do feel like, I have learned from watching other parents that have not done this <laughs> that I don't want to be that mom calling my kid out in front of everybody and yelling at my 14-year-old because I'm embarrassed in that moment and I'm going to take it out on him right then. Pull him aside later, you know, say, or have some kind of code word or some little 
something that's not waving your hands to get their attention, something nonchalant that helps them say, oh, mom's a little displeased right now. I think we're probably gonna have to talk about that later, but not to embarrass them because you wanna shut them down, you'll do that really quickly by embarrassing them. And I would throw in again on that one too, because we've had this, because my kids are older. And so like, for instance, when the girls are changing, their bodies are changing and stuff like that, those kinds of harder conversations where they might feel awkward or whatever, trying to talk to them before those things actually happen. Mm -hmm. But that would be a tea and cookie kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, and my girls really loved it. We would talk and we would talk about boys or we would talk about things, but it was, and go to my bedroom, the door is locked, we have fun food and it is special and all of a sudden they feel comfortable and they want to tell me everything. <laughs> and so food, <laughs> yeah, food is good, fun drinks, and that's how I used to do it with my son. Um, I would, for him, I would take him places and we'd get a fun drink. And so we would go and we would sit in a place that was quiet and the two of us could have a conversation or my husband would take them fishing or to go do something. But having those special moments where they feel like they can lay their, mm -hmm. I don't know, their burdens down and they can really be real with you and just share their heart. So you want to have that place of intimacy where they can speak freely to you and that you have a safe place. And mm -hmm. So sometimes they would say, do we have any cookies and, what, cookies and tea? Do you have anything we need to talk about? And they would instigate it too. So just, um, mm -hmm. yeah. And having fun. Um, dads have strenuous jobs um, for the most part. I don't want, I'm glad I'm not a dad. I mean, there's parts of that role I would love to have, but for the most part, I don't want to be the provider. You know, that is scary business having to provide some, so, for somebody. So emotionally it would be taxing and I know it's a strenuous job for him, but taking time to make sure afterwards that he gets out there and gets a little go-kart going or fixes something for them so they can and this guy's always a goofball. So for the most part, there's always laughter in our house. And I'm usually the one being like, I'm trying to get them to go to sleep. <laughs> you know, could you save the tickle, climb the mountain thing for later, please? You know, but that's kind of the job of a dad, I think. And so to allow them that and allow, just making sure that there's lots of fun in the house. Good, clean fun, I think, is, is, is good for them. Wrestling with little boys and tickling little girls, I mean... <laughs> It's, it's fun. Um, showing affection. I didn't, I have amazing set of parents, but I didn't get a lot of touch affection from my dad, you know, that, and he will tell you that is a huge regret of his. It caused it. I don't know that it caused some wayward years, but I had some wayward years and I do think I was seeking out approval. Trent is excellent with my girls, um, loving on them and just hugging and touching and all of that kind of stuff. He's excellent with it. Our boys the same way. I mean, we are that weird family that still kisses on the lips. You know, <laughs> we just do. And um, I can't imagine doing it any other way. Now, Jackson, he's about to be 15. Well, he's not your typical about to be 15 year old. So he still kisses me on my lips. But Dawson, he's kind of like, I don't know about this mom, you know. <laughs> and it's okay. It's all on their timetable. You know, if it changes, that's fine. But we're a very affectionate family, which was weird because when we dated, it was like, do not touch me. We're in public. There's no PDA. You know, that's not how I was. But we have I've definitely morphed into something a lot more touchy-feely now. And, and I love it. And I think it's excellent for their, um, just for their psyche, for their emotions. They need that. Yeah, okay. especially for daughters. My gosh. I mean, you need uh, dads. I mean, you need to just 
pour affection onto them, appropriate affection, so they know what it feels like and what it looks like. And I, I think the same for the boys. I mean, every single time you get a chance, put your arms around your boys and tell them a few things. I'm proud of you. I love you. And you are going to be an amazing man. Tell them, speak that into them. And then same with the girls is that you're beautiful and I love you and you're so special to me because that's the heart of every girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, girls who do horrible things out in the world, they're looking for that. They might not know it, they might not say it, but they're searching for that approval from a man. And Jesus is the ultimate man that they're looking for, but it sure helps when daddy does it. Yeah. And so I, I, I just don't think you can do that enough. Um, it really adds a level of security to your, to your children to give them that affection. Mm-hmm. I think it talks about here being that Kool-Aid house, being... And we've always said that we wanted to be the home where people came, mostly because we are just crazy weird about our kids going anywhere. <laughs> and so um, we do, we, we have acreage, and the neighborhood kids, they hop the barbed wire fence, you know, if it's okay with their parents, and they come over and they play. They're little kids, but my kids can kind of play with any age level, and so they do run around and they act ridiculous, and their parents are totally fine with it. I wouldn't be fine with my kids jumping the fence and going and playing at somebody else's house, but... It's okay with their parents, and so I would rather they were there. So be that house, you know, have, be intentional about play dates and be intentional about making sure, um, you know, if, if you're the mom like I used to be, or don't touch this, don't touch that, you know, put that stuff away for now if it's that big of a deal, and make your house the house that's okay for things to be touched at, and things are going to get broken, and that kid, that child, that neighbor, they're way more important than that stuff. And so having that mentality I think is huge too. I forgot to turn it back. Um, let's see. Speak into their lives so you can know the kids your kids are friends with and you can encourage them to be what God has called them to be. Um, we do that. We are. I am. We just heard Rodan talking about it. I am that parent that's on the text and reading the texts. And for the most part, it's just a bunch of dorky talk, you know, about Legos and Bionicles and heroes. And so, but I'm, there have been a few times where I have to tell Dawson, he's my black and white thinker. That is not the way you should have said that. That comes across very rude. You know, he's like, I didn't mean it like that, but I was, I admit this. And I'm like, I know what That one might be when you pick up the phone call, you know, because somebody else might have misread this or thought too much. But be that person so that you can be helping them with their friendships, you know, especially as they get older, even when they're little, you know, like they, when y'all are little, teaching them how to apologize and love on their friends and just staying connected with that friend. You're, you are that if you're the play date mom. But um, that would be a good one. Um, yeah. Make your family a priority. I will tell you, this last year, I've had some extra hats that I've had to wear, and it has not, my family has definitely felt like it was going like this. You know, so I was the flip side doing the quality time versus quantity, you know. And um, if you find yourself too busy, you got to let go of some stuff. And so that's where I'm at, letting go of some things and looking forward to it. But, um yeah, our time is stretched between work and other activities. Make the time that you do have very meaningful and full of life. So that means putting your phone away or putting whatever the social media you might have that you do away and just focusing on them. You know, if it's dinner time, put that stuff away and let it be dinner time. Um, and then uh, comparison is a killer and it's not reality. Again, once a, a social media, I don't care if it's Facebook, I don't care if it's your neighbor next door whose yard is perfect and their kids act awesome. Don't compare yourself to others. 
you know, they've got the best Christmas lights, you know those people, and just don't compare yourself to them, because they're reality, that's not reality more than likely, you know, it's, it's an outward thing, and try to get to know their heart, and y'all, y'all help each other through those difficult times that they're going to have, because everybody has them, but don't compare yourself, I mean, if Facebook was only just people posting their pretty up pictures, and their awesome vacations that we never get to take, you know, um, (laughs) I would be, I would need to be on some kind of medication if I was just constantly thinking that was what was, life was really about. So be in tune with that and realize comparison, it will kill you. Um, And then find someone to mentor you or offer reassurance. Wiser, um, a little older people that have walked the path before you. Mike and Kathy were our people. So we, we, just a little (laughs) older. I mean, my kids, especially when they were younger, my big boys don't do it anymore, but it was Daddy Mike and Mama Kathy. And so um, my little ones still do it, but they were our people. Your and big ones still do too. Dude, that's Jackson. Awesome. I'm, not, awesome. I'm thinking Jackson probably does this, Dawson. Oh, that's greatness. <laughs> I'm thinking he's gone to Mr. Robinson yeah. or something, but anyways. <laughs> anyway, so find those people. Find those people that can speak life into you and encourage you and see the things that you're doing right and saying, you are doing those right. And then we'll also be that same friendship to say, hey, I've noticed that when you're on the, on the phone with you and your child is doing something wrong, you're very rude <laughs> or something, you know, like you're quick to yell at your child, say their entire name, you know, really loudly, you know, maybe mute me so that you give that child respect, you know, during that time. Something like that. You need the friends that are going to be blunt with you and loving with you. So that would be um, the way of a Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who is he who listens to counsel. We go over that one quite a bit with my older sons. You know, just trying to force that teachability. Hopefully, showing our the best way to show teachability to your children is to be teachable yourself. And so that's all I had for that one. All right, and um, I'll talk to you about intentional intimacy. And a lot of this um, will start young, but is appropriate all the way up. And so, um, and this is where we're walking right now. And I, I need to go back and go, oh man, you know, <laughs> I have done so many wrong things as a mom, and I am just so thankful to the Lord because He fills in the gaps. Mm-hmm. So for you with young ones, I look back with like, oh, you know, I would, if I could go back and do some things differently, I absolutely would. If I could go back just for a moment and do things right the way I did things, I absolutely would. And my kids ask me this. I, I probably get the question at least every month, Mom, if you could go back just even for a day, would you? And I'm like, you don't even know. I would in a heartbeat. So I know where you are walking because you have young kids, and it's exhausting, and they are pulling at you in all directions, and you are giving and giving and getting nothing back in a lot of ways. Um, so I want to encourage you, it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. And um, it goes quickly. Mm-hmm. It goes so quickly. I um, yeah. So treasure these moments, even in the hard moments. And do, just as I said, and encourage you, just for the fun, enjoy your moments. Laugh with your kids. Maybe not laugh as they're doing something necessarily <laughs> <laughs> but even if you're kind of chuckling on the inside going you know what I know I need to discipline that but that was really kind of funny you know just kind of try to just make it so that you can stay sane write um, those down write those have, down and, yeah so well yeah and don't necessarily take pictures 
while they're doing it because then they might repeat it. <laughs> but if there's a way, and I'm just thinking of things that, again, my failures of a mom of things. I thought, oh, that was funny. So anyway. Okay, I'm going to try to stay here. Um, be open with your kids and keep your word. And that is really important. They need to have a safe place and a safe person to talk to. Um, as you're training your kids in this, my prayer for you guys is that your sibling, the siblings, your children will become best friends. Mm. Because there are going to be things that will come up in their lives where maybe you may not be the one that they feel is the most approachable, but maybe the sibling is. And that's happened in my house.